0: You're about to listen to a special preview edition of the Grant Williams podcast. This time up, it's This Week in Doom with my very special co-host, Doomberg. In this episode, the Green Chicken dissects some of the team's recent pieces concerning energy, politics, and the Russian ruble, giving us some enormously valuable thoughts on the real definition of the scientific method, the move to censor open debate, the strength of the Russian currency, and some tactics the Biden administration could implement in order to perhaps defeat Vladimir Putin. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The End Game, The Super Terrific Happy Hour, The Narrative Game, This Week in Doom, and Shifts Happen, is available to Copper and Silver Tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper Tier subscribers get access to all the podcasts, while members of the Silver Tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go Hum. So if you enjoy what you hear on the show and you want more high quality content like it, then please make your way over to grant-williams.com. And join our exciting community today. And with that, on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of This Week in Doom. I know this is a good thing because I now find it perfectly normal to be talking to
1: a green chicken. So uh, let's do that. And welcome in Doomberg, my partner in crime. How are you, mate? Grant, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And uh, great to be back uh, in front of the mic with you. I know you've been. All over the world, yet again, but uh, wonderful that we could carve out some time together, yeah, where do you find yourself today, Grant
0: I am currently in Santa Monica in California, which I have to say, as pieces of real estate go, is pretty damn spectacular
1: mm-hmm. it's, so I'm told it's, yes uh, um, I, I remember spending a, a pleasant week in coastal California, wondering um, how it is that such a paradise could be so polarizing to the rest of the country but uh, indeed if you find the right well, spot I the that yeah. might come up at some point in this conversation it, indeed, it um, might. indeed it we might. have
0: an awful lot to, we have an awful lot to talk about you and i um a lot of it <laughs> based around you and your uh, ever increasing virality <laughs> which once again you've managed to uh, touch a nerve
1: with a couple of recent pieces you've written indeed it's been um, yeah it's been quite fun to be totally honest and you and i have discussed this offline the by and large, um, the vast majority of discourse is polite, and um, people are genuine in their desires to exchange arguments and have a, a erstwhile attempt to change each other's minds. But of course, there's also people that I would characterize as uh, expressing snark without intellectual depth, which is a fancy way of saying trolling, and we have no shortage of trolls as well, both to our pieces and of course to some threads that have recently gone viral um, on one of your favorite topics, which is... Uh, Vladimir Putin and the uh, conflict in Ukraine and our response to yeah. it, and and we both have some pretty strong opinions in that regard. And what's really amazing to me is how many people that I otherwise am really good friends with and agree with uh, most of the time, we seem to have a very different view of what's going on there. Which I'm sure we'll discuss.
0: Yeah, for sure. But it, it's that kind of world, right? I mean, the world has been polarized for a decade now, and it's it's getting more so. And it seems like every so often a new subject comes along around which people can be polarized. You know, is Truly remarkable. But, you know, there's a couple of your recent pieces that I wanted to talk to you about. The first being the, the Carl Sagan-inspired Wide Awake, which I think you
1: published, what, a couple of weeks ago, maybe? Was it that long ago? Yeah, three weeks ago, uh, as of the time of the Three recording. weeks ago. Oh, well. Almost, yeah, two and a half, three weeks ago. And it was a, it was a great piece, as you say. And um, it, we published that one free for all, for the public. Yeah. Which is the first time we've done that since the paper. Well, uh,
0: yeah, I mean, look, talk about what it was about and then the decision why you decided that that would be the piece that you published for free.
1: So, The Wide Awake is a piece about the scientific method at its core and how many in today's discourse have perverted what the scientific method actually means and tried to use the phrase, follow the science, or, you know, we should listen to the experts and having precisely no meaning as to what it means. And uh, you and I have talked about this before, and I forget which forum, but for sure we've recorded it, but... The scientific method is not intelligence, it's not technology. The scientific method is a method, it's a process. It is a means by which intelligent people try to ascertain and explain the environment that surrounds them. And at the core of the scientific method is a process of nullification. And so the way science works is, Grant is observing the universe and Grant develops a hypothesis. A hypothesis is a proposed explanation that fits the data that we're seeing in the real world. And the, the way the scientific method works is a hypothesis is submitted to the scientific community for vigorous challenge. And in an attempt to nullify a hypothesis, all a fellow scientist needs is one reproducible data point that invalidates it. And the moment that's accepted, then the hypothesis is null and void and cannot graduate to the next level of robustness, which is a theory. And theories are hypotheses for whom the collective scientific community has not yet been able to nullify after several years, perhaps decades of attempts, and becomes generally accepted as probably true for now until, <laughs> until such point as a single data point invalidates the theory. Some theories last for such a long time that they graduate to sort of laws. And laws are generally accepted as extremely difficult to nullify. And it is okay to use laws as an axiomatic input into the development of the next hypothesis. In other words, nullifying a law is incredibly challenging, but nullifying a theory is easy. And then nullifying hypotheses is the core of what scientists do. Right. And Carl Sagan was a brilliant scientist and a gifted orator. And to many in the country, was a dangerous dangerously naive, soft on communism leftist, And he happens to be one of the people that I admire most in the world. And as we talk about in the piece, he has this really wonderful documentary called um, Cosmos, which every child should watch and every adult should watch. Certainly showed it to my children when they were in their formative years. And um, he talks about the dangers of nuclear escalation in that piece, which is, of course, what made him run afoul of the conservative right at that time. But also most interestingly to us in this piece, is that he was not infallible and he was wrong. And he was open to debate people uh, on his hypotheses. So for example, we talk in the piece about how he hypothesized that the oil fires that resulted from the Kuwait-Iraq war would cause severe you know, damage to crops in Southeast Asia. And, and he was vigorously opposed in this hypothesis by a professor in Maryland, uh, Dr. Singer. And they had famously had a debate on ABC News, Newsline, And it turned out that Dr. Singer was right and Carl Sagan was wrong. Now, imagine in today's society that on a polarizing issue such as this, two of the leading minds of the day would go on TV and have a civilized debate about it, and um, the media would present it, and we would be allowed as informed citizens to come to our own conclusions based on what we saw. Um, That's scaringly becoming less and less possible today, as you know. And in the piece, we talk about Carl Sagan's last interview, which was with Charlie Rose on CBS. And... He talks about the scientific method, and I quote, we quote him in the piece. You know, and, and in this interview, you have to look at the picture. He's visibly gone. Like he's clear, it's clear that he is suffering from terminal yeah, yeah, disease, yeah. and he won't be long for the earth. And he found that this was the most important message he wanted to relate to people before he died, which is um, that the scientific method and that science is more than a body of knowledge. And I'm quoting from him here. It is a way of thinking, a way of skeptically interrogating the universe with a fine understanding of human fallibility. If we are not able to ask skeptical questions, to interrogate those who tell us that something is true, to be skeptical of those in authority, then we're up for grabs for the next charlatan, political or religious, who comes ambling along. And we thought this was a very powerful message. And we have forgotten this core element of a free society and the way in which society is going today with this incremental censorship and um, cancellation culture by people who have no scientific training whatsoever. Yeah. and the rest of us just putting up with it, uh, we should know better. And so that was the piece, and we decided to publish it for free. It's one that we're very passionate about. And so, you know, um, it's okay to occasionally put a piece out to the public. You do the same with podcasts, and we thought this one was particularly important to us and relevant to the modern discourse, that we felt it was it was good to to put it out there.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting, right? This lack of the ability to debate stuff is something that, yeah, I've agonised over and anguished over for a long time now. It's it's becoming more problematic by the day, you know. And, and we'll we'll get onto some of that, I suspect, a little bit later when we start talking about some of the recent moves by the Biden administration. And that's not to single the Biden administration out specifically, although they seem remarkably bent on some of these things. I mean, this is this is a political issue the world over, on the left and right. So it's it's definitely not specific to to him and his administration. But this idea that you can't debate, and that um, there is an acceptable position to take on many, many topics that would ordinarily be quite contentious and are quite contentious. There's been a remarkable move to to cancel one side of so many arguments. You know, climate change is is an obvious one, but I guess through the pandemic we've we've seen this uh, magnified and taken to the next level. You know, if you don't believe in in an emergency vaccine, you are a denier, a skeptic, you know, all these other other words that have been taken and used to label people pejoratively. You know, I, I think skeptic is one of the labels that, of which I'm most proud. You know, I'm proud to be skeptical. But, you know, what is it, do you think, Dumi, that has labeled skepticism as seemingly such a danger to to all kinds of people?
1: It's At its core, it's a power play and a naive one by those who support it, in our view. Uh, We're writing a follow-up piece to Wide Awake as we speak, and we were chatting again before we hit record that probably going to put it out in a few days, and the the tentative title to it is um, Think Only Good Thoughts. And um, in the piece Wide Awake, the Sagan piece, we closed it by predicting that, you know, we, we at Doomburg have not actually written skeptically about climate change per se. We sort of take it as an axiom that the world has decided it would like to minimize carbon emissions. And we have limited our involvement in this topic to critiquing the path function of how to get from today to where we believe the world has decided it would like to go. So, for example, we write skeptically about shutting down nuclear power plants, and we are very skeptical about our ability.
0: The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website,